Okay. So you have an interesting story in the Torah about Reuven and God. Reuven and God, two of the tribes, two of the tribes of Israel. Reuven was the oldest son, and God is somehow further down. So in, in Perak Lamed Bet, let me just find it, Perak Lamed Bet, it says this, an amazing uh, pasuk, Umikne Rav, Let's ignore the question of how Ruvain and God happen to be the owners of large flocks of uh, sheep and that somehow that distinguished, distinguished them from others. In other words, they had property that others didn't have. Where did they get that from? Yeah, they're all in the desert. They're all not doing anything in particular. So how come they had atsum, uh, atsum ma'ot? That sounds like a, a real, uh, something special. That they had sheep, that unbelievable amount of sheep. So now, okay. They saw the land named Yazer and the land called Gilad. And they saw, that's what we call today, you know, east of the Ramata Golan. And they, they realized that this would be very good for them, this place. They could graze the sheep and, uh, and do whatever you do with sheep, right? Like in New Zealand. Right, you could do whatever you do with with uh, with the sheep, and uh, okay. So, the, in other words, Bnei Israel had conquered this territory. This territory belonged to Sichon and to Og, two great kings, who were defeated by Bnei Israel. So that de facto, they possessed land. They possessed on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Right, so to speak, even though it was further north, but that doesn't matter. It was not in what we usually call Eretz Yisrael. Right? It was on the eastern side of the, of the Jordan. And it said, Pasuk Bet, So they, they took the initiative B'nei God and B'nei Ru'uvein. They took the initiative and they came to Moshe and Elazar Kohen. So it was after Rashi says, after Aaron died, Elazar Kohen. Well, they came to the higher authorities and they said, again, all these places, all these places had been conquered by the Jews. And then, This is the land that God gave us. They have an idea. This land is good for grazing sheep. And we've got a lot of sheep. You've got a lot of sheep. And they say to Moshe, 
as imatsanu chaybeinecha, if you uh, find favor in in your eyes, yutanet haaretz azelav azot lavadecha. Then give us this land, give us this land lachuza, al tabireinu etayerde. So they come up with this remarkable idea. Here we were thinking all the time that Bnei Yisrael are on their way to Eretz Yisrael and the conquest of Canaan, the conquest of Canaan is important. It's like the, the purpose, the purpose of Am Yisrael is to conquer the land and then divide it up and everybody gets a portion. And along come, along come Bnei God and Bnei Ruben and they say, we have a different idea. We're, we don't have to do it that way. We can do it this way. We'll have, uh, uh, we'll, we'll take the land, right? We'll graze our sheep. We'll, we'll live there. We'll, we'll take the land. We'll take our portion here and not over there. Now, this seems to me to be a kind of remarkable proposition. I mean, how could they say such a thing? How did they come up with such an idea? Right, well, it's like Brooklyn. It's what? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Why do stay there? <laughs> he says. He says, look, it's a fit. You have all this grazing land that nobody's using, and we have a lot of sheep. So why should we go anywhere? I mean, this is, seems like a good place to to be. You know, right here. So, again, pasuk vav. He says, you mean, Moshe Rabbeinu says, do you mean that everybody else will go to battle and you'll just sit here and do nothing for the conquest of, of Eretz Yisrael? Why would you dissuade the rest of the people of Israel from going to Eretz Israel and taking over? So in, in, in other words, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't say to them, look, you don't, you don't get it. You're not uh, uh, thinking correctly about what Am Yisrael is supposed to be doing. But he says to, instead he says to them, he, Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, you're going to cause an upheaval, things are not going to go well, the people in Israel see that you get land here, why would they want to go to Eretz Yisrael? They'll also want land from the land that we conquer. It, it, it becomes, it, it's not an issue, the issue is not somehow the purpose of B'nai Israel, where B'nai Israel should be going, how they should be acting. The purpose is, is this going to mess us up? I mean, it's like a perfectly reasonable suggestion. That's the way it starts. And, and we just don't want it to mess, to mess everything up. So then Moshe Rabbeinu goes on and says, now he said, remember the Miraglim. Remember the spies. They also thought they were doing the right thing. They also thought they were doing the good thing. And look what happened to them. They came to the Ashkol River. 
Vayiru et ha'aretz vayaniru kei b'nei Yisrael, right? They, they saw the land and they kind of confused b'nei Yisrael to thinking it wasn't worth it. Levilti bol ha'aretz asher datan lahem Hashem. They're not going to get come to the place that God had, had made for them. Vayichar af Hashem vayom ahu vayishavala malomar. This is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is not speaking like an authority, an authoritative figure. He's acting, he's acting regular, like a regular person. And, and he's saying, let's figure it out. Is this a good thing to do? Not such a good thing to do. I mean, why couldn't Moshe Rabbeinu just tell them something? I mean, what was exactly, what, what exactly was his, where was his limit? Where was Moshe Rabbeinu's limit? And then it says, And on that day, the day of, uh, of the Miraglim, when the spies went to Eretz Kenaan, God swore, If, he says, it won't be, it's not possible that these people who left Mitzrayim and decided not to go to Eretz Kenan, right? Kilobal uh, uh, didn't listen to me. Bilti Except for these two characters that we know about, who were also spies, but they said something different. And the, the people for 40 years, whatever it was 38 years, but for 40 years, it's like close, they, they all died. They all died in the desert, all the people who were involved at that time. Did they try Menasha and the Uyubin who just wanted to live outside Israel? Did they die as well? The Nachamu. The, um, the, the tribe of Menasha and the Uyubin who wanted to live outside Israel? No. They wanted to live in that land. Did they, did, did they die out as well or not? Well, one second. Did you hear anything about Menasha? No. We're talking about Uyubin and God. No, that's what I meant, sorry. We'll get to Menashe. So, I mean, the first question that I have about this parasha is got to do with the role of Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, if Moshe Rabbeinu felt that their uh, uh, living, staying in Ereti Azer in order to give the sheep grazing was somehow comparable to the Miraglim, to the spies who went to Eretz Canaan and then turned the Jewish people against Aliyah, turned the Jewish people against Aliyah. So he said, if that's true, then why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu tell them it's forbidden? Why doesn't Moshe Rabbeinu just say, you can't do it? And in fact, you know that Moshe Rabbeinu will say at the end, okay, Okay, there'll be conditions. There'll be conditions, but we know that there was, the, according to the Psukim, there was this tragedy that took place in B'nai Israel called the Chet Amraglim. And that tragedy was that B'nai Israel decided 
not to accept the charge of going to Eretz Canaan and fighting and winning, right? They didn't want to do that. And so their punishment was that they all died in the desert. You know, the desert, all they did was run around in circles, right? Okay, they didn't can't run around all the time. There were times when they camped. That's in the beginning of the parasha of Mas'e, next week's parasha, right? So that's, that's a list of all the places where they, they uh, stopped. Wouldn't there be a worse situation if Moshe Rebbe came out and said, it's forbidden, and they said, well, we want to stay? Yeah, I guess. I guess, but I still somehow think that Moshe Rabbeinu, in these parashiot, as we've, met, we've discussed, I mean, there was a certain amount of attrition on the leadership uh, of Moshe Rabbeinu, probably for a good reason, as we, we, as we spoke, it was, uh, you can't live without Moshe Rabbeinu if you have Moshe Rabbeinu. In order to live without Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to kind of reduce him. He can't be Moshe Rabbeinu when he dies because then he would be irreplaceable. But if he is reduced somehow, he, Moshe Rabbeinu, his leadership is reduced, then it makes sense to say that Yoshua Binun, Yoshua will be in charge. Even though nobody thinks that Yoshua was comparable to Moshe Rabbeinu. Not in terms of his relationship to others, relationship to God, relationship to Torah, Certainly not. Certainly not. I told you that uh, the Gemara says, it's a Gemara in Tzvura, the Gemara says that when Moshe Rabbeinu died, he left thousands of questions unanswered. He, Moshe Rabbeinu. And the, these thousands of questions that were unanswered, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu would have sort of turned to God and said, could you tell me, you know, one to ten, yes or no? And, you know, thousands, thousands of questions like that. So Yoshua, in the Gemara, the Gemara says this, that Yoshua turned to God, and Yoshua said, just like you did for Moshe Rabbeinu, do for me. Tell me the answer to all these questions. So Kodesh Baruch said, that's over. That's over. Now, you have to figure it out yourself. You have to go like this, right? Figure it out yourself figure out what it is that you're supposed to do and what the halacha what the halacha should be and that's of course what kept ultimately maybe not at that time not at the time of the shoftim and malachim but at a later date right Rav Yochanan Ben Zakkai said in a, in a amazing statement which turned out to be a tour de force of Yehudah ben Zakkai said we're just going to learn Torah that's going to be us we'll self-define we will redefine ourselves before we had communities and we had halachot and we had the Beit HaMikdash and we had we had a lot of a lot of things that made us into a a kind of a national community now we have nothing and nothing, the destruction of the temple, at least according to the stories that are told in the Gemara, was not just uh, a destruction. It, it, it was a wipeout. There was, there was nothing left. There was no, there was no way that B'nai Yisrael could kind of relate to the, to the temple after the Roman destruction of the, 
of the temple, so Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, he was the one who, who was given the credit of reorienting. I mean, I assume that the historians can come and nitpick here and nitpick there, and it'll become a, it'll be a little bit different. But well, that's good. I don't mean to say it's not good. I just mean to say that it's hard to imagine that if the uh, classical Italians, right, the, you know, would have said, uh, I mean, uh, they're speaking in Latin, and they would have said, we're going to define ourselves by literature. I mean, that would have lasted nothing. We'd be gone. We'd be gone because literature, of course, literature, science, math, these are all the ways of dividing the people into those who are, you know, know about it and those who don't know about it. And so the same thing would be true about the Jews, except that it wasn't. And you have for the Jews this remarkable idea, I think, today, even though, you know, I have reservations, but today you have this remarkable idea of Dafyomi. Uh, what is remarkable about Dafyomi, in my, to my mind? that the people who participate don't know what they're doing, which I think is uh, quite remarkable. In other words, the will to be part of it is greater than the capacity that people have to be part of it, which is, uh, again, I think something that the Jews have have done. I mean, I mean, Dafyomi uh, is just an indication, just an indication. But you know, people go to Dafyomi. Well, it takes me, uh, you know, a lot longer to learn most Dafim in the Gemara than a daily foray into the into the Gemara. So I assume that many people are like me, but. Uh, if not, then not. So now, here, uh, another Pasuk. Pasuk Yudalit, a very tough Pasuk. Inei kamtem tachatabotechem tarbut anashim chataim. You've replaced them. Here it is, assessment of history. The Jews who rejected Eretz Yisrael the first time around, you are them. You're rejecting Eretz Yisrael the second time around, right? Anashim chataim lispot od al charon af Hashem el Yisrael to to create a state of anger by God against bnei Yisrael. Ki teshuvun meacharav v'yesaf od la nichol b'midbar v'shichatem lekol ha'am hazeh. You're going to destroy everything. You'll destroy everything in the desert. I mean, these are pretty strong words. These are pretty strong words that Moshe Rabbeinu has. So that the attitude, I mean, if you were learning the parasha, I would say that a good uh, question to ask is to try to understand why Moshe Rabbeinu was, at the end, so understanding. Right? You see, it says in the Pasuk Ted Zion, they said, no, you don't understand. We're going to build a compound 
for our sheep and we'll take care of our, the women and children, right? We'll make them cities, whatever that means. But Nachdu Nechaletzhushib, we're gonna go first, we'll be the first ones with Nebene Yisrael, Ad Asher Ib Haviyodnum, El Mikolmam, we're gonna bring them to their place. We're not going to come back to our homes. I mean, this also strikes us as being a, a little romantic here. Like, well, what, do you mean? what are they going to do? What are the families going to do? But okay, it, it doesn't matter. What I think is important is that they win. They win, and the first problem, as I say, the first problem understanding this parsha is how come they won? What did they win? What did they win? One second. <coughs> no, this is this is the same. In any event. And if you were learning this parasha and you opened up to Dvarim, when Moshe Rabbeinu tells the story over again, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit, he's much more proactive and he wants, he makes sure that it's done in the proper way and uh, etc. But here in the story in Matot where it's actually happening, Moshe Rabbeinu seems to be cut out of the picture. Seems to be cut out of the picture. Okay? Now, if you look at, uh, now we can go to the sheet. We can go to the sheet. The sheet, uh, the sheet. Bamidba Perik Lamid Bet Pasuk Lamid Gimel. You see, there's a, like a, a secret in the secret. The Pasuk says, Ve'itain lahem Moshe l'bnei Gad v'lei Ruvein, u'lechatsi shevet v'lashe ben Yosef, Et mamlechet sichon melech ha'morib, et mamlechet og melech ha'bashan, ha'aretz la'areha begulot areha aretz aviv. Moshe Rabbeinu gave them, gave to them, b'nei Gad, b'nei Ruvein, chatzi shevit menashe, et mamlechet, the land which was once the kingdom of sichon and the kingdom of og, the earth, the land, and included all of the cities, big vulot areha aretzavim. Right, within the boundaries of the land of Sichon and Oak. So in this pasuk, in this pasuk, there's of course a further mystery. Do you see it? In this pasuk, which seems to be simple and straightforward, but there's a further mystery. Good. I can hear what? Say it again. Chatsi Shevet Menashe. What year? No, 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 no. I, I didn't know I meant yeah, now I hear it. Oh, so, so what's the mystery? How did they suddenly come into the picture? Okay, that's a mystery. Who says they want to be on the other side of the What's object? another mystery? Why are we half? Well, you could even start before that and say, what is half? What is half of a shevet? I mean, how do you how do you get that? Why was there half? What was the half doing there? Why are they just introducing this pasuk? 
not so clear. Let's look at the Ramban. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban tries to answer this question, which just tells us that the question is a good question. In the beginning, in the beginning, Menashe wasn't there, it was just Reuben and God. Right? How's that for an idea? When Moshe Rabbeinu gave out territory to Reuven and God, he saw that they actually received too much. You know, because there was some kind of way of measuring how much land each tribe should get. And eventually we say it was divided up by families. Each family was granted a certain amount of land. Right? And then, you know, you multiplied by the number of families in the tribe. And that's how you knew how much there was. So if you figured it out, there was too much. Reuven and God received too much. And then Moshe Rabbeinu went around and he sold parcels of land. He said, who else wants to be in this deal? Who else would like to come along and get land on the eastern side of the Jordan River? And there were people from Menashe, from the tribe of Menashe, who said, we'll, we'll go for that, we'll do it, you know. You see that the Ramban is making all this up. He's saying, Ulai, perhaps they were also shepherds. Perhaps, you know, even though they were not on the level of Ruvain and God, but they may have been themselves shepherds. And they said, well, we want the same deal, the same deal that Ruvain and God are getting. Then he says, uh, So the Ramban, the Ramban says, well, you know, it's like Moshe Rabbeinu was sort of in charge of this project. And uh, the initiators were Reuven and God. And Chatzis Shevet Menashe proves somehow that it wasn't fixed by heaven. It wasn't, it wasn't an inheritance of Eretz Yisrael that came from heaven, according to, according to the Ramban. Yes? It was usually we think that the inheritance, there was some kind of a, of a pious. There was some kind of a... Uh, Lottery. A what? Lottery. A lot. You lottery, right. There's some kind of a lottery. And that the land was divided up according to that lottery, which was, of course, divine. Right? That's what a lottery is. It's like God's opinion. Right? That's one of the things about a, a lottery. That's why, that's what we say, why Haman tried to do in B'nai Israel with a lottery because he wanted it to have divine approval. Okay, maybe he didn't, but that was his idea. That was his idea. So now he says, 
And so, if this is all like just people who are interested, and maybe people in in Shevet Menashe who had sheep, so why does it say in the pasuk? Why does the pasuk say chatsi that there were half? After all, we're used to thinking that the Torah is very precise, right? That's what Rashi taught us. So where's the chatsi? Where's the half? So Rashi, so the Rabban says, chelik echad mihem. It doesn't mean half. It just means a portion, part of them, part of Menashe, came to do this. That's what, that's what uh, the Rabban says. Omri. Omri is the name of a king in Israel. Omri. It became, it's like a popular Israeli name, I think. Maybe not. What? It's what? One of Sharon's mm-hmm. sons. Does that make it popular? <laughs> He's not. But <laughs> in any event, in, in, in any event, Omri and this other guy, who most people don't remember, Tivni Ben Ginat, were vying for kingship, and for several years they fought against each other neither of them being able to uh, overcome the other. Eventually, Omri won. And Tivni ben Giyad was sent home. He was not able to, to do it. Right? And he says, and there it says also, Chatsiya am haya Tivni ben Giyad, Omri. Half of the nation was. Well, what is the Ramban trying to prove? Chetzi doesn't mean 50%. The, right, that Chetzi that is not precise. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean exactly half of something. Mm-hmm. It means a, a section, a part. That's what the, that's what the, Ramban, the Ramban is saying. Vahinyan, mm-hmm. uh, now he gives you further explanation. Right further above in Pinchas, last week's parasha, the, the families of Menashe are mentioned, and there are eight of them. Right? Mishpachat HaMachiri, one of the sons of of Menashe, Mishpachat HaGil Adi, Yashuba Eretz Azot, they, they inherited the land because they were warriors. And they, they conquered the land on their own. So, so even though in the Chumash it says that Bnei Yisrael fought against Sichon and against uh, uh, Og, the Ramban explains that it doesn't mean that everybody fought equally that everybody, you know, some people worked in the kitchen and some people were in the front lines. That's how it is in an army, right? Uh, not every, so these guys were big and strong and 
as part of a family, they conquered part of the land of Sichon and Oli. And conquering part of the land of Sichon, they sort of felt it belonged to them. In any event, they saw that Reuben and God are getting it, so why shouldn't they get it? According to, uh, uh, right? Mishpachat ha-machiri, mishpachat ha-giladi, yashu, ba'aretz ha-zod, ke'yu ha-shei chayel, v'lakdu ha-talatzmam, they were strong and the good fighters, and they captured it for themselves. And so, so Moshe gave them the majority. And these six families who conquered land in Sichon and O, they also went first and crossed the Jordan, and he quotes a pasuk, Tichtim b'Yoshua v'yilivnei Moshe ha-notarim l'mishpechotam v'yilivnei Abiezer v'yilivnei Chelek v'yilivnei Asriel v'yilivnei Shechel v'yilivnei Chayf v'yilivnei Shemidah v'yizeu ma shekatuv sham v'yiplu chavlei menashe asara levad me'eretz ha-gilad v'abashan asher me'eber le'yardei Okay, okay, so what is it that, uh, that the uh, in what way has the, has the Ramban helped us? What way has the Ramban helped us? According to the Ramban, when Reuven and God came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said to him, look, we have all these sheep, we have all these flocks, and we'd like, to, we'd like to settle here. And okay, we'll make a deal about going and fighting. We'll fight first and then we'll come back. But this is going to be our place. What did the Ramban say? When they came to talk to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is what I, I mean, I wouldn't say that the Ramban says what I'm about to say. But I think that you can infer it from the, from the Ramban. And when Reuven and God, usually when we read the Psukim about Reuven and God, and they came to Moshe Rabbeinu, they said whatever they said, we always think of it in terms of ground zero. In other words, Reuben and God, they were with everybody else. They were not already there, but you see from the Ramban, the Ramban says that the other, the, the Davka, the people of Menashe, they had already conquered the land. It already belonged to them. So when, when Reuven and God came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, look, uh, here we are, we're going to do it. So what they really were saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, what they really, really were saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, let's formalize the de facto situation, which is totally different. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was not asked a shaila. He wasn't asked to paskin the Shiloh. He was asked to work it out. He was asked to work it out. And he said, well, to work it out, you have to go to fight, you have to be there. So, so the Ramban says all of that about the Chatzi Shevet Menashe, where he says they had already conquered parts of the land of Sichon and O. They already were living in that land as though it belonged, as though it belonged to them. So one solution to the mystery of B'nai God and Ruvain is here in the words of 
the Ramban. Another solution. The is, is the Benot Slavchad from which Shevet. The what? what? Because the What? So they menashe. So they menashe. No, so. Well, no. So, like in last week's parasha, we have the the not so fighting for their right to be in Eretz Israel, and this week we have menashe here splitting in two. So you think you would think that the Ramban is is presenting us with a unreasonable scenario? I don't know about unreasonable, but. Let's look at a little bit of the Hamekdavar, which is on the upper side. Do you have an upper side of a piece of paper? Look at that. Okay. Um, here. You see, this, the psukim here are from Devarim Paragimel. Right? Next week is Masse. And the week after that is Devarim. Right? Devarim always comes before Tishabab. Tishabab this year is a Nitche. Right? It's on Sunday. Tishabav, the date Tishabav is on Shabbos. But thankfully, we'd rather eat chont than be unhappy. So that's what we, that's what we do. So here, look at the Psukim. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu. Everybody knows that the beginning of Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu recounts uh, certain historical events that, uh, I don't know, are good for Musa. So listen to Moshe Rabbeinu, Pasuk Yud Bet. Right, we, we inherited this land, Again, Moshe Rabbeinu, who did he give it to? Reuven and God. Reuven and God. So what are you missing here in the Moshe Rabbeinu recounting of the, of the story? You're missing tension, you're missing Moshe Rabbeinu disagreeing. All you have is the conclusion and that conclusion is Moshe Rabbeinu's conclusion when he tells the story. Okay? Bashan, Pasuk Yudalid. Yair ben Menashe lakacha kol chevel argov ad gvul ashuri v'machati v'ikra otam al shmo et abashan chavot yair al ayom hazeh. It was all the children of Menashe were very uh, involved, as the Ramban said, they were fighters, they were strong, and so they took, they took their part. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu gave it to Reuven and God, but it doesn't say exactly what Reuven got and what God got, but it does say what, what Menashe got. So now you have, I want to look a little bit 
at the uh, at the Hamek Davar. Hamek Davar is the Nitziv, if you remember, right? Naftali, Sri, Yehuda, <coughs> Berlin. Who was the Rosh Yeshiva? Who was Rosh Yeshiva of Volozhin, of the Yeshiva in Volozhin? He was the last Rosh Yeshiva. Under his jurisdiction, eventually the Yeshiva was closed. The Yeshiva was closed because the Russian government wanted to impose certain kinds of restrictions on the study in the yeshiva and they tried to avoid it they tried to avoid it but eventually they realized they wouldn't be able to and they closed the they closed the yeshiva so he said but he in the yeshiva he gave a shir and chumash every morning for years like every time he would go to the next puzzle next puzzle and that that shear that he gave every morning uh, ended up as a as a shear as a book as a perush called ha make davar ha make davar that's a like further investigation of uh, look, look what he says If you look at the third line, no, the first line, the fourth line. You know, everything with the Nitziv is Torah. Everything is Torah. So he says, Kedetanya. Kedetanya, you see in the fifth line, fifth line, the second word. Kedetanya, there's a brighter, and Avos the Rabbi Nosan. So far, Kavav, Avaz Rabbi Nassim is like the Tosefta of Pirkei Avot. Barishona, Ayuam Rim Dagan Bi Yehuda, Veteven Bi Galil, Umotz, Umotz Beaver Hayardain, Ulinyan Torah, Mairesham. So, this distinction that's in the, in the Avot the Rabbi Nassim is about Torah. Right, our pasuk who call Gam Kiddushat Eretz Yisrael Kiddusha Be'erchin? Anyway, I'll try to summarize. I'll try to summarize. The the Nitziv reminds us that even though the area called Ever Hayarden, the eastern side of the Jordan River, was not equal to Eretz Yisrael proper in terms, terms of halachot. For example, I mean, Shemitah is something that you do in Eretz Yisrael proper, but not in Ever Hayardain Mizracha. You can bring matanot sometimes from the Ever Hayardain to the Beit HaMikdash, but not always. In other words, it created a status which was not equal to the status of Eretz Israel, 
but a status that could only be created by Eretzis, by people from B'nai Yisrael settling there and living there. And that's what created the status. In other words, if you go back to the beginning, go back to the beginning, you could read the whole story differently. The Bnei God and Beiru Ben go to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say, we want to do it. We want to make this land into Eretz Yisrael. Okay, it won't be 100% Eretz Yisrael, but it'll be more Eretz Yisrael than any place else in the world. And Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, but what are the people going to say? That you're not going to fight, that you're not going to... In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu basically agreed with them, according to this reading of the text. He said, it's a great idea, but we have to deal somehow with the feelings of the people. So the B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain, they said, we'll do it. We will, we will, uh, um, uh, we will protect the image of Am Yisrael, that we're all going together to fight, we're all going together to be victorious in Eretz Yisrael. And so, according to, according to this reading, the reading of the Hamek Davar, we're talking about a different topic. We're talking about a different topic where, like, everybody is agreed that, that this is the right thing to do. Because, after all, the result of what they did, B'nai Gad and B'nai Ruvain, Produce Kedushat Eretz Yisrael. Oh, it's true. It was not the same Kedushat Eretz Yisrael as, as we know about from Eretz Yisrael proper. But it was an element of Kedushat Eretz Yisrael. So they came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, don't you think we should do it? Don't you think we should create this entity called Kedushat Eretz Yisrael on the eastern side of the, of the Jordan River? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, yeah, yeah I, I think it's a great idea, but what are we going to do about this? So what are we going to do about that? And so they all agreed. They agreed that they would not take any, uh, um, they, any limits in the Kedushat Eretz Yisrael department. So I think that, uh, that you could say uh, that the Rabban on the one hand and the Nitziv on the other hand look at the story quite differently. Right? There's a whole, right, the Ramban talks about Chatzis Shevet Menashe as being powerful people who have already uh, achieved this uh, conquest of, of the land. Uh, and they go to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say, look, uh, we, we're here already, so let's take it. And Moshe Rabbeinu then, of course, talks to them about how this is going to look and how terrible it'll be. According to the Nitziv, according to the Nitziv, they, they <coughs> there is this opportunity that Bnei Yisrael have to create uh, a new element in the world, something that never existed before, and that's the kedusha of Eber Hayarden Mizracha. Yes, it's not the kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. But it's more than the Kedushah of the rest of the world. And so when Reuven and God came to Moshe Rabbeinu and made that suggestion, Moshe Rabbeinu agreed. It was only the technical things, the, the, the way people will look at it and understand it, that he was worried about. He wasn't worried about the actual fact. He said, the fact was a good idea. 
and that's what should that's what should happen. Is there an element here, um, of the son being kilu um, Torah that they were big tummy dechachamim? That is that what who the beginning of God? But you don't need. You only no, need. No, because he says the gun, and so yeah, he's likening the produce. You, you need three, the three guys. Hmm? All you need is three guys. Three guys. Three guys who know know the score. I mean, all women who know the score. That's how it works. People who know things talk like to talk to other people who know things. The same things, you know. In Stefan, Eva, Jane, or. It could be in, in Chutzlaretz also. No, it can't be. We don't know. And uh, I mean, there is a, a Gemara in Gitten about that. No, it can't be. It's only, this is, this is the limit of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael. Tov.